Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Disney has a new CEO. How the coronavirus might affect pop culture. And are we impressed with the Xbox Series X? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great programs. I also want to give a big thank you to TJ Johnson and Big Haas from The Voice from the Underground. They were on with us on our last show celebrating Black History Month. So if you want to check it out today, it was a great one-hour conversation on the influences that have shaped their view of pop culture Please, I highly recommend you check it out today on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, if you can, that'd be truly awesome if you could go ahead and subscribe and be part of the over 1,600 different subscribers that we have already, or maybe leave a five-star review. That would be awesome as well. Or listen to it on any one of our awesome radio stations out there, including our brand new radio station. We say a big hello to nova star entertainment so check out nova star entertainment today please you'll be glad you did with all the great stuff that they're doing there as well besides us right here at the pop culture cosmos but it wouldn't be a pcc multiverse without my good friend he is our own teraflop from pop culture cosmos you got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com his awesome podcast topic Ocalypse. And of course, don't forget to buy his book, available now, Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What up, what up, what up? Just uh, doing some late night pop culture talk, catching up on things that I have been slow on this week. So, uh, you know, this whole Pokemon countdown is uh, very interesting to me. It is. And we'll close out the show with that coming up on the back end. But we'll also be talking about something going on with the new Xbox Series X that's on the way. And the reason why we mentioned Teraflop is because they announced some specs recently. And we'll go ahead and we'll talk about that real quick later on in the show as well. Plus, we'll be talking about Star Wars The High Republic, which is basically Disney and Star Wars' new plan for a lot of stuff coming up starting later this year with books, with television, things of that nature. 
We're going to ask the question, is it the right direction to go back into the past and focus on that for a lot of your material, possibly even movies as well? And if that's a new direction for Star Wars, are we cool with it or maybe going ahead and going into a different direction? So we'll talk about that coming up later in the show as well. Plus also something very important. And I know we like to just talk about light pop culture subjects all the time, but every now and then real news gets in the fray. So the coronavirus, it's out there. I know a lot of people are worried about where it's headed, what's happening with it and all that. And it's obviously going to be taking a toll, and it already has taken a toll already on the entertainment industry. So we'll discuss that major issue coming up on the show as well. But first, my friend, a very surprised resignation, kind of a resignation, so to speak, as Bob Iger, the man who's been guiding the Disney empire for well over a decade now, steps down as CEO to focus in on creative duties so his i guess new task in life is just solely focused on the creative direction for the disney empire mainly the marvel the star wars the disney stuff like that and he's turned it over to the man that was in charge of the disney parks and that is bob shapek so bob shapek is now disney ceo so i want to ask you my friend did this come as a surprise to you? I know this is something that, you know, he was going on his book tour and he'd already said that he was going to be retiring by the end of 2021. But out of the blue, this came as quite a surprise to me. And I'm sure it came as a surprise to a lot of other people as well. Did come as a surprise because he was always the one who is like confirming decisions made by Disney. Like it didn't really seem like there was a lot going on behind the scenes that would indicate any tension or any danger with his job or anything going on. So it was kind of came out of nowhere really. And uh, it makes me wonder like what, what was going on behind the scenes? Cause we're hearing more and more, like there's all these stories coming out with the Kevin Feige talking about how there's that he wanted diversity in the Disney movies. And he almost walked away or the Marvel films almost walked away. Like we're, I, we're hearing lately a lot of stories about uh, discontent behind the scenes at, at Disney. So it wouldn't be surprised if like there a lot of this stuff is just being covered up or people aren't talking about it. There's a non-disclosure agreements or whatever's going on, but it's just it yeah, it's weird. It makes me wonder what else is happening behind the scenes that we're not hearing about. I will say that he was asked by, you know, obviously shareholders and the executives at Disney Bob Iger meeting to stay in the platform as Disney CEO back, I think it was in 2018, 2019, he was asked to stay on. So because he was going to retire, I think back then, and obviously promote his book and, and focus in on that, which he has since released in 2019 and has done a book tour based off of that. But I think his plan originally was to go ahead and take a step back a couple years ago, but he was asked to continue. And again, his contract was going to run out at the end of 2021. So this, to me, came as a little bit of a surprise, but he is not shifting away from the Disney empire entirely, which is something that I think a lot of people are breathing a somewhat of a sigh of relief because he's still focusing in on a overall creative narrative. So I don't know where he will stand. Let's say, for instance, with Marvel storylines for Phase 4, is Kevin Feige going to be the ultimate say on that, or is it going to be Bob Iger? Or is it going to be Bob Chapek? So that's what I'm a little bit confused on right now. Who is guiding some of these, these narratives now going forward? 
Is it going to be Bob Iker? How much more of a hand will he have in the creative process when it comes to Kathleen Kennedy and what's going on with Star Wars, which we'll talk about here in a little bit with Star Wars, the High Republic and the shift in focus in that. Is he going to be a major part of that? What about everything that's going on with Pixar? Onward's going to be coming next week to theaters. How you know much forward is he going to be part of that narrative for all the stuff going on as well? So it's very interesting to see where the chips lie. I know for Bob Chapek, his task right off the bat is going to be tough. He's not going to have it as easy or as cool as what Bob Iger did because right off the bat, you've got the issues and concerns with the coronavirus and your Disney parks overseas primarily right now being affected and potentially your entire park system being affected by the end of the year. Your movies, a lot of people are going to be affected by that. In fact, we're going to be talking about that again later on when it comes to major movies like Black Widow and Mulan. He's not being given the greatest of platforms right now. It's not being an easy transition. So it's kind of curious that Bob Iger went ahead and did this at the time he did this because this year is not going to be looking as swell as it did last year because last year you had, what, six or seven billion dollar movies. Your parks were earning revenue at a record pace. You know, you raised rates, but you're still earning even more revenue than that. Last year was a tremendous year. So I'm not quite convinced that, like you are, that everything is on the up and up and Bob Iger telling everybody and reassuring to everyone that this was not done out of any danger or health issues or behind the scenes chicanery. I'm not totally convinced on that because right now instability lies on the horizon for Disney. Yeah, I mean there's a there's a lot of things going on. You know, a lot of things waiting up ahead that we don't really know how to handle or or you know, you you mentioned the coronavirus is a thing. You know, all these franchises are Marvel's moving uh, their franchises in different directions now, introducing all these new heroes. Star Wars is starting this new era. A lot of moving pieces going on. Uh, a lot of a lot of wheels in action. You know, we're just now seeing the results of the Fox merger, all these new properties, Disney Plus, and he he has his his he has his job cut out for him, right? He has he has a lot of work ahead of him, so it's not going to be a walk through the park. And perhaps that's why Bob Iger stepped down, like he was just didn't want to start all these projects and then leave them a year later. Who knows? But, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a fun task to be CEO of Disney. I'm, I'm thinking, but at the same time, it should be an honor for him to be entrusted with it because that means they think that he can handle it. So let's hope that he does, uh, you know, he does what needs to be done and see good things from Disney coming up here. Let's hope that continues to be the case, but it is, I mean, you can easily see it's going to be a rough time, at least in the first few months, because of what's going on. You know, as we talk more and more about the coronavirus, and that becomes more and more of an issue. And we'll talk more about that again in the back half hour of the show, more about how it will affect the industry going forward and some of the things that were, you know, going back and forth that are being said and being done about the coronavirus. Real life, my friend, is going to be kind of tough. And again, also, You've got a changing dynamic when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You've got some unknowns as far as in Phase 4, and we've talked about this before. It's not a certain slam dunk with the Marvel Phase 4 with all the new properties that they're introducing, not only from a Disney Plus standpoint, but from a cinematic standpoint with Shang-Chi and the Eternals. These are complete unknowns. 
this is a great time to introduce it because you come off the success of phase three, but phase four is going to be very tricky on how you go ahead and go about it. DC is now, you know, trying somewhat with birds of prey aside, has its act together for, to a much more of an extent than it did two, three years ago. So there's all these different changing things. Star Wars, we talked about the declining returns where the rise of Skywalker earned less than one half or earned about one half of what Star Wars The Force Awakens did. So you've got declining returns on your Star Wars properties. So what does that mean going forward? I mean, on the surface, you think everything's great for someone like Bob Chapek to come in there and guide the Disney ship, but it is going to be some tough sledding ahead for Bob Chapek. And I hope that he's up to the challenge because, again, as you know, not everything was great as it was last year. I mean, we could go on and on and on about all the great things that happened with Disney last year. This year, again, like we were talking about, Josh, it could be a whole different story by the time we talk at the end of this year for Disney. Yeah, there's just it's a lot of unpredictability right now, right? It's hard to I'm guessing even like their market researchers are having a hard time figuring out where things are going and, and what what the market's going to look like even six months from now. So it's you know and you had mentioned it's interesting because you had mentioned the disney park and like coronavirus and things like that are we going to see a decline in people visiting theme parks like how what exactly what kind of effect is this going to have on it and then you know we'll talk more about this later but how long until it, it normalizes right and everything kind of levels back out that's the the big question and we don't know you know there's no market research nobody really knows anything at this point Exactly. It's all an unknown. It's all out there. We're not sure exactly where it's going to take us, but it is going to be an interesting ride nonetheless. And for the folks that are following Disney closely, like we are, you know, Bob Chapek, you've not been given the greatest hand in the world. And again, he still has to deal with the fallout of 21st Century Fox and that merger. And everybody's talking about how of the five major purchases that Disney made over the course of the last decade or so, starting with the Pixar buy and all that, that this could be by far and away the worst value of them. So how do you gain profitability from that purchase? What steps do you need to take? I mean, these are a lot of questions that Bob Chapek has to deal with. I hope he's the man for the job. I wish him all the best. And like I was saying earlier, the challenge is out there for him indeed. So not everything on the surface is, is uh, how should I say, golden for Disney right now, but definitely is something to look at. But there is a lot on the table on the plus side, but there's also some questions coming up on the road for Disney and Bob Chapek. What are your thoughts out there on Bob Iger stepping down as CEO for Disney and a new Bob, Bob Chapek, stepping in as CEO for Disney and the road ahead for the company itself? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. My friend, a lot to talk about again still on today's show. Speaking of Disney, because again, this is something that, it, you know, I don't want to say the pop culture world revolves around Disney, but it's sure darn close sometimes. 
And a lot more was done this week with Star Wars. Just as the Rise of Skywalker is now fading into the sunset and we're getting the final returns on it, it's now digital and going to video and all that stuff. And the whole Skywalker saga is fading into the distance, into the rearview mirror. We now get word with a trailer and more information on upcoming projects for books, TV series, and possibly even movies when it concerns Star Wars The High Republic, which I believe takes place 200 years before the events of The Phantom Menace, if I remember correctly. So I ask you, my friend, you took a look at the trailer about Star Wars The High Republic and all that. And I ask you this right now. Is this something that you think could be a direction that they're going to take for a lot of the things that are going to go on in the Star Wars universe going forward for a while? Or do you think that it's going to go into a completely different direction? So judging from what I've researched about it, and I've, I probably haven't read into it as much as you have, but they had said that this is going to be an era of novels and comic books and possibly some video games, but not films. And I'm fine if it stays within that medium of storytelling, but if they're going to do films in the High High Republic era, I'm, it'll, it'll appeal to a certain group of people. And yeah, I'll probably go watch them, but... I don't think that's going to do much for them in terms of garnering new Star Wars fans, getting getting a new generation. You know, this is what we always talk about, right? After Rise of the Skywalker or Rise of Skywalker, what happens next? How is Star Wars going to survive the next 20 years, right? And it's not going to do it by appealing to fans who are in it for the nostalgia, if that makes sense. I I, I think that if they want to do something successful, they're going to have to move the storyline forward. Give us new heroes give us a new era i don't think the high republic is the best place to do something like that because it's tied too closely to the jedi and to the the pre-empire stuff and it's just it feels more like a, a prequel to the prequels absolutely i agree with you on that i am more of a forward-thinking person i just like to look at what's coming up ahead or what can be created out of the blue ahead and the universes that you can create from it now Mind you, it's not 100% definite what we could be seeing in two years with a new Star Wars movie or what comes after that in two years after that or two years after that. They've said at this point in time that they're probably not going to have a trilogy unless whatever comes out becomes really successful. I'm just concerned that they want to go ahead and just draw upon the same old stuff from the Skywalker saga that they said that they were going to be finished with which in essence, they're not by going to the Star Wars, the High Republic, because it all draws into it. If you put Yoda in there, which if you saw the trailer, he's in some of the, the um, I guess, the art before the actual production takes place. You saw him there as 200 years younger. So he is a part of it. And that's something that ties into very heavily. So it's like you're not escaping the Skywalker saga. I'm looking for something new. I'm looking for something advanced. I'm looking for something in the the windshield of life. As we were talking about on the last episode with the guys from The Voice from the Underground, I'm looking for something in the windshield and what's coming up on the road ahead of me as opposed to what's coming up in the past. And although it's nice to go ahead and touch on some of this Republic, like, for instance, when BioWare did The Old Republic, and there's been talk about an Old Republic movie, and that's nice as a one-off and whatnot, but... 
still, I think that they're announcing their intentions on focusing quite a bit of the material coming up in the future within that realm 200 years before The Phantom Menace. I'm not sure that's a great decision because it tells me that they're still so dependent on that Skywalker saga. It's just like they can't escape it and try something different and new. Here's where I think Disney is right now. They're trying to figure out how to market things, right? They want to market to the crowd that they know they're going to get the guarantee, the guarantee uh, merchandise sales, right? The, the fathers who are going to buy these figures for their sons and, and daughters and tell them stories about it. Oh, like Yoda. Let me tell you about Yoda. You know, Yoda's on Dagobah and he trained Luke Skywalker. Th those types of stories. They're too afraid to to take a risk on something new. And that's that's actually the overall problem with Disney in general, right? We're looking at Marvel properties, Star Wars properties, Disney movies. Everything's a retelling of a retelling or a sequel to a sequel. And, uh, you know, and this is showing up now in their marketing strategies is the fact that they're not willing to let go of the past and try something new. And that's why we like so much the ideas that even though it's up in question as far as from a financial standpoint, but when it comes to Marvel... They have the cachet right now to do some of the things that are new. As we talked about with Shang-Chi and the Eternals, these are new things, new properties that we haven't seen before for the most part for a lot of us out there as a general consumer. So that could be something that is a, a reach and is something new, but how they package it, hopefully it's not too familiar. But again, like I was talking about something new and unexpected that we could really get into. Right. And I don't think that's what this is going to be. Because to me, the High Republic era, it's like Los Angeles, right? I think it's a cool idea, and I, I, I it's fun to to dive in there for a little bit, but it's not something I want to go back to over and over again. It doesn't feel fresh. It feels like it's crowding an already crowded universe, and I think they need to jump a couple hundred years into the future and just show us something new, show us something that we haven't seen before. Something that doesn't tie into the Skywalker saga in any shape or form. Another right. part of the Star Wars universe, per yeah. se. Let Yoda go. Yet let the the Jedi era go. Let create something. I mean, you can keep the Jedi. That's a staple of Star Wars. But don't don't make it take place within the confines of some of already established lore. I agree with you. It should be something that. Take a bold new step. Take a bold new step into a different way of doing things because it's clear after the results of what happened and the declining numbers that the movies had over the course of the past five years or so since 2015, since Star Wars The Force Awakens, the numbers have declined. It's right there. Fans' interest is less when it comes to Star Wars. I, we talked about it before when it was you and I were talking about the generation after you, Josh, when we talked about 10, 15, 20 years down the line, will Star Wars retain its cultural footprint with individuals that are 10, 15 years younger or more younger with you? I'm not convinced it will because Disney and Star Wars has not taken the right steps to go ahead and recapture that magic. And I don't think going back 200 years in time, and focusing the entire universe on that era is the right answer. Again, I think it should be just a clean slate, and let's go from there. You've got some very talented individuals and writers and creators. We talked about Kevin Feige and Taika Waititi. You know, they've both been attached to possible Star Wars projects. Something that you've got some of the most entertaining 
and intelligent minds in the industry that could be focused on it. I mean, The Mandalorian has been such a great success because it seems just, it seems outside of what goes on in the Skywalker saga, even though it is in a way still tied to it. It just seems different. It seems a little fresh. And that's why I think a lot of people have attached itself to it. But again, if you could go even further and take even bolder steps, I think you might like the results that, for the most part, if it's done well, that you would get out of it as opposed to going so far in the past with the High Republic. And not to mention, too, that every time they take a step with Star Wars and it doesn't pay off, it has delegitimized the franchise, right? It has made people angry, made people not want to go back and and keep revisiting this world. Like, they don't have the goodwill of... And this is sad to say, they don't have the goodwill of the people anymore, right? They don't have the goodwill of the the hardcore fans. They're going to be more skeptical about it. Like I knew friends, I had, I have friends who love Star Wars, and after you know the Last Jedi, they don't even care to watch it. They didn't even want to see Rise of Skywalker. They didn't even want to see how that resolved itself. And every time Disney takes a step like that, a step in the wrong direction, they delegitimize it. So when they finally do get Star Wars headed in the right direction, people aren't going to care anymore. No, they're not. And that's going to be very disappointing that there will be less people like me wearing Star Wars t-shirts and things of that nature or having anything in their room or any artifacts or buying anything. And I know that will be bad for Disney, but it also be bad for pop culture as a whole, because as you and I know, and as you and I, when we started this show, we realized very quickly that pop culture itself started really emanating from 1977 when Star Wars was released. I mean, it created that geek culture. It created that pop culture that made things like Star Wars cool to a larger audience. And then outside of just certain individuals that specifically loved it, it made pop culture and everything associated with it acceptable to a larger audience. And we, you know, to me, if I could point to a real milestone in pop culture, I would say it is Star Wars. And to not have Star Wars as a major staple of the pop culture experience would be very disappointing. And there's a very real possibility if Disney doesn't go about it well, that in 10 to 15 years, we could say it is something the start, meaning the star Wars property and the star Wars franchise be something that is in the past and not really a major part of our present when it comes to pop culture. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it, it would be a shame too, especially with all the money that Disney's dumping into it. And you know, you see more and more lately George Lucas expressing disdain at towards himself for having sold the property. And if you're do if you're finding the creator of a of a beloved franchise saying that, then you know that you need to do something better. You you owe it to the fans to not again, you know, and you owe it to George Lucas, especially to not destroy what he created and what ha- what so many people have grown up with and, and loved and shaped entire uh you know subcultures around you owe it to them to to step off the marketing horse and give the fans something that they want something daring something like you said they have a bunch of amazing talent at their disposal and they're not using any of it and the ones that they do use you have like the the josh trank situations right where you lock them out of the out of the director's chair the editing room you you don't let them do what they were hired to do because you need to sell a t-shirt or an action figure it's just it that that kind of behavior needs to stop. So just to reiterate and just close out this part of the conversation when it concerns Star Wars, the High Republic, 
I'm going to say right now, again, we got to keep our, our mind open on what they can create within that universe, but it still, in many ways, will still tie itself to the Skywalker saga, and that, I think, might be not in the best interest of what Disney and Star Wars should be doing. We think, I think both you and I think, that Disney should take bold steps to create new universes or new parts of the Star Wars universe going forward that lead into well after the events of the Skywalker saga. I mean, is there any part of the Skywalker saga that can still remain of interest for you knowing, you know, after you've seen the rise of Skywalker and it all is said and done and the dust has settled, is there any characters or anything you could really take from it that you could expand on it? Or do you just really want it to go in a completely different direction in a completely different time in a galaxy far, far away? No, there's nobody, nobody left. I love the character from Jedi Fallen Order, and I, I would love if they recanonized um, Starkiller from Force Unleashed. Uh, those would be two, two characters I'd love to see take on a live action form. But outside of that, like, there's, there's nothing. Like, I don't, I, and this is sad. Like, I never felt an attachment to Admiral Akbar, right? I never felt an attachment to Finn or Poe or any of like the, or C-3PO or R2-D2, like I, they, it kind of, the way that they treated these characters, you know, outside of Finn and Poe, the way that they treated the characters that I grew up with, just, it didn't really, it didn't feel respectful, and it didn't feel like it was something that I would want to keep going back to, because they're dismantling my childhood and creating a new Star Wars that I, I just can't stand behind. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I mean, there's so much that you could do going forward. I would love to see that opportunity. I mean, you have such success right now with The Mandalorian. I know there's going to be spinoffs that they're already talking about that, and they're going to probably beat that to death at some point in time in the future with Disney Plus series, which is fine. Maybe even a Baby Yoda movie or something like that has been also talked about. So that's fine. We can hang with that. But still, when it comes to creating a life going forward for the rest of this decade i'd love to see them going forward instead of going back in the past from a galaxy far far away what are your thoughts out there on star wars the high republic is that the right move going forward for disney do you think that should be the way that they be focusing on or instead should they introduce something new and exciting in another part of the Star Wars universe unrelated to the Skywalker saga in any way, shape, or form. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Well, my friend, it is now the back half of the hour. We're done halfway so far. I want to thank everybody for listening right here on the PCC Multiverse. This is the subject I really was hoping we could try to avoid over the past couple of weeks, but more and more, it's looking like uh, it's going to be a major part of the story in every facet of our lives, and that includes the entertainment industry, that includes pop culture, that includes what we're going to have to probably interject in over the next few weeks and months is the effect that the coronavirus 
may have on the entertainment industry. It's already having an effect on the industry as a whole, especially overseas where many uh, entertainment properties they can't build, they can't ship out as far as products are concerned. In China, they've closed so many different things as far in China because of the scare from coronavirus, including theaters. You know, a lot of theaters have closed. So the area that is right now the second busiest and second most popular film watching community, which, you know, I, you and I both talked about, they were on a course, meaning China was on a course to go ahead and become the leading revenue area for, for movies by the end of this decade. And that was something they were going to go ahead and pass the U.S. I think they will anyways, but it, it's going to be a process. It's going to take a little bit more time now that what's happening. You have already countries in, in Europe, the Middle East, now South America, Asia. All of them you know, are going to be affecting already by what's going on with the coronavirus. And a lot of this going on as far as movie theaters, uh, businesses, anything relating to the entertainment industry. MI7, Mission Impossible 7, had to shut down production because of what's going on with coronavirus. And we're going to see even more affected by it. And there's going to be a lot of changes with the way films are being distributed and released. We've already talked about Mulan. It's overseas. It's going to be affected greatly by it. And it could possibly happen even to the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die. Black Widow could be severely affected and even more coming up this year. So I ask you, my friend, your thoughts on the industry as a whole and how it would be affected by the coronavirus. Okay, so I have several thoughts on the coronavirus, you know, and it's like I, I keep wondering, like, when, you know, like I said with the Disney thing, when are things going to normalize, right? They should just come out. Like, there's a lot of misinformation. I discussed this with you before the show. There's a lot of misinformation about the coronavirus. Like, it's the media is selling it like it's this thing that's going to kill millions of people when, in fact, it's just it's another version of the flu, you know, and you what you said, the mortality rate was 1.9% higher, right? Yes. I mean, currently, either, let's first off, we're not trying to dissuade or anybody about the flu. The flu is no, still kills no, it, thousands yeah. and thousands of people, but so many people get the flu and the death rate, you know, there is a mortality rate from it. It is right now, I believe, in America around 0.1%, right. but that's still a lot of people dying when you consider how many people get sick. But the mortality rate, I think, right now, as according to most news reports, is right around 2% for the coronavirus which is still, you know, it's not as the mortality rate is not as big as what everybody perceives it to be, but it's still there and it's still very it, scary. Right. It is, but it's being sold like this is you know, the apocalypse. You know, this is everyone's going to die. You go, there's always articles coming out saying you need to buy um, hand sanitizers and, and uh, those damp tissues, whatever they are. And then you go to Costco and like the water's all sold out. Like everyone's treating this like it's the end of the world. And it's just, it is just going to be something we have to deal with, right? As long as you treat the symptoms, you're fine. It's the people who like the older people and the people with autoimmune diseases or uh, weak immune systems are really suffering from it. So going back to the Hollywood thing is like, how are they really willing to, to sacrifice that much money for the sake of, uh, you know, something that is basically the flu? And as a teacher, right, in, in these classes I teach, I'm hearing students go, well, my parents are going to send me to Idaho or Ohio, somewhere in middle America, if the coronavirus hits the U.S. It's it's inevitably going to hit the U.S., you know, and it's just it's kind of dumb to me because I sit there thinking, I'm like, well, 
are your parents going to send you to middle America if you have, you know, if there's a, an outbreak of the cold like, or, or an outbreak of the flu? And these aren't joking matters. You know, obviously people get sick and it does, it does affect their health, but it's just, it's, it's something that we're just going to have to deal with. You treat the symptoms and a lot of people with coronavirus don't even know they have the symptoms because they're asymptomatic. They just, it passes in and out of their body and they don't even know anything about it until, uh, you know, they, they find out that they infected somebody. So it's, it is something that we're going to have to deal with. It's going to have to be normalized. And with all these movies coming out, yeah, it, it's, it sucks that these places are experiencing an outbreak, but perhaps, you know, this, this will become, again, it will become the flu or the cold. And then people can just go back to doing what they do. You know, you get sick, you get sick, go to the doctor, treat the symptoms. So do you think Hollywood's willing to let that put to stifle the amount of money that could be made from some of these films? That's my question. Well, there's already a great concern because, like I said, in several countries already, public places such as movie theaters are being shut down. Restaurants are being shut down. Places that would normally cater to entertainment industry as a whole are being shut down. Theme parks Disney's obviously monitoring very closely and there's talk about shutting down some of the Disney parks that are out around the world. So they're obviously like we talked about. Yeah. One of them already was shut down, right? The Disneyland in in Hong Kong was shut down. Shanghai, Disney Shanghai. Shanghai, Yeah. 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 So it's just, it's, I guess, you know, the same thing with like SARS and bird flu and stuff like that. Like when is it just going to become, a thing you know and people are willing to go back outside again but that's the problem Uh, but for the entertainment industry right now they're going to be hit in the short term like for instance what we're seeing with the stock market the stock market is going into the toilet as we speak right now because of uh, such great concerns over the coronavirus the same thing has to be said because of the entertainment industry anybody who is trying who normally would profitize off of something relating to the entertainment industry is going to affect them adversely because also as well, there's a lot of stuff because of the coronavirus that you can't ship out. You can't export from China because there's a lot of restrictions right now going on. So that's making it even tougher for, you know, video games. It's making it tougher for any entertainment property that's out there that receives some of the stuff. I know arcade one-up fans are kind of concerned about getting new arcade one-ups in because a lot of the items and components of it are built in China. Uh, you know, there's talk about the video game industry. A lot of entities have canceled E3 and GDC and other conferences where they could go ahead and show their new wares because of what's going on with the coronavirus. So it is something that a lot of people out there are very fearful of. And I can understand why, because right now there's just a mass mass uh fear because of the unknown and you know we as humans we always fear the unknown the most yeah but we're causing all of this hysteria over something that again it is just a slightly more dangerous version of the flu you know and it's i I just i wonder like how long are people going to be willing to let that affect that the way that they live their lives or run business like when it long term you know the short term i get it's a serious health issue you know, we don't want to risk people's health. It, it is, it is a thing, you know, but like in the long term, like it is the, their prediction is that it's going to come into the U S and it's just going to be another thing you have to deal with every year, like the flu or the cold. 
Well, it is something that a lot of people are very fearful of. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm very nervous about it myself for my family, for my daughters, uh, for my mom, uh, for my mother-in-law, for, for a lot of people out there that might be adversely affected by it. We've already seen a number of individuals affected by it as well. But again, when it comes to an industry standpoint for the entertainment and pop culture community, this is going to be something where it's going to adversely affect them by the time be adversely affected. And by the time Mulan comes out, even here in the United States, Mulan could be adversely affected because people may not want to go to the theaters because they're so scared of possibly being within an environment where they could contract the coronavirus. I mean, those fears are are now getting larger and larger by the day at this point in time. And while it is nice to temper that uh, fear by say, you know, by trying to re- you know state exactly what the coronavirus is and the mortality rate and the actual, you know, how many people get sick to the ratio and things of that nature. It's, it's still very concerning for a lot of people out there and it is going to affect a lot of things we see. The streaming market will be probably the only thing that's positively affected by it because a lot of people want to stay home. What are they going to do for options? They're going to go ahead into the streaming markets and choose some different channels or choose even more of what they're doing within the streaming market. But that won't replace what you're doing as far as going to a theme park or going to the movie theater because you're so concerned about possibly going out into a public environment once the coronavirus, like you said, if it does become a major issue here in the United States. Yeah, I mean, it's inevitably it will. But, you know, again, like I said, it'll be turned into the, the an, another version of the flu or the cold. But, yeah, no. I get it. I get it. It is a serious issue. I just am curious how long an industry like Hollywood or you know the theme parks or whatever it is, how long they're going it's going to slow something like that down. You know, it was the same thing with SARS. It wasn't it didn't take long for people to go back out into out into public places, right? And have the crowd start building up again. And with the movie theaters, they're numbers are already dwindling so i mean it's just it's just another excuse for people not to go to the movies but i, I just like how long is it going to hinder you know everyday life in terms of of how movies are are put out and video games and things like that this is going to be concerned going forward how adversely affected will major events for pop culture such as cinemacon coming up here in las vegas very shortly such as e3 uh, you've already seen it with GDC, but all the other events and other things that we in pop culture, sporting events, that's also going to be something that could be adversely affected in the not too distant future. So we'll have to wait and see exactly what's going on as we as a people in the around the world. All of us, I think, as a as a community are closely watching and closely being very attentive on what's going on with the coronavirus and how it, it is unfortunately being spread still to this day and it is going to affect the way we view everything in our everyday lives including pop culture and here's hoping that you and your families out there will be safe and hopefully you'll stay healthy out there and continue to go ahead and and enjoy life the best you can under these difficult circumstances coming up in the not too distant future from what's going on with the coronavirus what are your thoughts out there on how the coronavirus will affect the entertainment industry, is it going to be something that's going to cripple most major industries, including what we see out of the movie system and everything else going forward? 
how big of a part will it play in the damaging of our pop culture for the short term at least share us your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com also as well pop culture cosmos humanity media and game source on facebook twitter and instagram as well you're listening to the pop culture cosmos if you need your video game fix be sure to check out retro city games located in town square on las vegas boulevard or in henderson nevada retro city games has the cure for all your video game vices retro games and games for current consoles nintendo sega playstation xbox and more retro city games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. The Xbox Series X, my friend, they announced more stuff this week. I wouldn't say they announced everything when it comes to the Xbox Series X, but they did announce quite a bit of information. I know you got a chance to take a look at it. Some of the big ticket items when it comes to the Xbox Series X is... 12 teraflops, uh, there's variable rate shading, which I know was a big key that they already shown in test demos already. Hardware accelerated direct X ray tracing, which they also got a chance to show off. Two of the big things I think a lot of people are looking at are the quick resume for games that you could go ahead, whether you're playing one or two or three or whatnot, you've got them all on hold and you can go ahead right back into the game after you maybe turned it off for a couple days or whatnot. And then smart delivery for either updates or, or new games purchased and things of that nature. A lot of interests are into that because, you know, we live right now where the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, we live in an era right now where, okay, it's uploading. Okay, I'll leave for a half hour or 45 minutes and come back. So hopefully that system of the way we get updates or way we purchase and install games will continue to evolve quicker and faster and better for us here as gamers. Nothing yet on the PlayStation 5 as far as information, really, but I wanted to ask you this. When it comes to the what you heard with the Xbox Series X, the 12 teraflops, I think, for me, is the big key. That means it's going to be, as of this point in time, not talking about five, ten years down the line, because obviously, you know, the console evolution always it goes by very quickly, and what's current and hot now or what's powerful now won't be in three, five, seven years down the line. But 12 teraflops right now, is it's a pretty powerful workhorse right now for whatever it is you're going to be doing, whether it's a computer or things of that nature. But as a game system, when you look at the 12 teraflops or anything else that was presented this week as far as what's upcoming for the Xbox Series X, how impressed were you by it? And does it make you more interested in purchasing a system when it comes out later this year? Yeah, of course I'm interested. You know, and right now, like I have more faith in what Microsoft's doing than Sony because Sony has not given us any information, right? And they're dropping out of these conferences, coronavirus or not. Like it is, it, at least Microsoft is being transparent and telling us what's in their console. Yes, this console exists. Yes, we we uh, we do have plans to release this console soon. Sony's saying, oh yeah, we're working on something. Here's a Spider-Man demo and then nothing for months and months and months. So, yes, it is something I'm interested in. I'm loving the fact that um, devs like CD Projekt Red are saying, hey, you don't have to buy these games twice. If you bought this, since this is a pre-new generation release, if you buy this game, we will give you the uh, the upgrade for it for free. Like, I love 
absolutely love their devotion to that. And I'm hoping that more developers will follow suit. You know, as for the, the texts and the specs and things like that, I know it's supposed to have a, a better refresh rate, which is good. So when you play these role-playing games, you know, and everyone is frozen like Elder Scrolls, right? You walk into a town, everyone's frozen. And then all of a sudden they're just going about their business, right? It seems like you're you're walking on a surprise and you end up surprising them instead. Uh, oh, 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 yeah, oh, oh. Yeah, right. So that's, you know, that's where like your ray tracing and stuff like that comes in. But I want to see it in action. You know, I want to see footage of it before I say, oh, yeah, well, oh, teraflops. Yeah, lots of teraflops. That's good. So I want to see it in action before I like fully go, you know, give them my praise. But right now, I think that uh, Microsoft's doing it right. Well, obviously, they learned from previous mistakes when it came to the Xbox One and then also the Xbox 360. A little bit more, a little bit more. Plus the fact that they have not been on the winning end of any console generation, at least even here in the United States, that still is an issue that they have to address where they're getting trounced by the PlayStation 4 in this current generation. So they're learning from their mistakes and trying to go forward with a better product. I, I agree with you that this is something that is impressive, but you need to see it in action. I, I do like the fact that they are like you said, with the developers talking about free upgrades and things of that nature, but also as well, the fact that Xbox Series X, right out of the gate, they're pushing the backwards compatibility. That was something I think a lot of people right off the get-go said, if it's not backwards compatible, don't even talk to us. Because now these days, it's something that needs to be a necessity. You need to have that backwards compatibility or else for what we could play now on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One is acceptable to us as far as from an audio and a visual standpoint. A lot of people will be out there like, okay, this Xbox Series X doesn't go backwards in compatibility. You know what? I don't need to go ahead and get one because I'm just fine with what I have. The PlayStation 4 and Xbox One right now fits during this current generation quite nicely still. You could create a splendid game, a great-looking game right now, especially on the tail end of this generation that looks very beautiful, that plays awesomely, that you wouldn't have a need to go ahead and upgrade if you you know, decided to go down that route. So I'm glad that at least Xbox Series X is understanding that they have to make things backwards compatible and not having the people go through a paywall to make it such. Yes. And, and again, you know, Microsoft has always been very, very good about things like that, right? They've always been incredibly transparent and they've always given, listened to the fan feedback, given the fans what they want. That's something we don't, we don't get a lot, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to see that they care. Whereas Sony feels like their, their goodwill from people, like they're total fanboys everywhere. And, you know, we've had this discussion before Sony fanboys everywhere. But we we don't know. Well, before you say that, there's also the disc sharing thing that Sony jumped on. Remember when Xbox was really going to go ahead into a different direction and that got a lot of people mad. So Xbox has not always done it right. No, they haven't. But when people said, hey, we want these games backwards compatible, Microsoft did it. When they said, hey, we want more first party games, Microsoft went out and hired a bunch of first party things. They've done big moves, big expensive moves on behalf of the fans where Sony just kind of goes, eh, you know what, how long did it take them to do cross compatibility, right? The people at Microsoft were like, we're, 
we're down. Let's do it. They yep. did it with Nintendo. They talked to Nintendo the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Sony's like, no, we're too good for you guys. Sony is a very like, like, you know, pinky up when they drink their, their Red Bulls. You know, that's, that's what Sony is. So I, I don't know. Like, I just feel like there's something weird going on behind the scenes at Sony. And uh, for right now, like Microsoft, they're, they're killing it with this next gen thing. Like they're going to come out the gate really strong. Well, I believe this is maybe, I don't say it's their last chance, but this is their last big chance, I think, to gain a foothold in a generation. We've talked about before the lack of success they've had in the Asian markets with the Xbox One and the Xbox 360. I don't know if they'll ever culturally get over that hump, but they could sell so much more and be more successful in other markets that would offset that cultural difference and cultural disadvantage that they have if they have something that is so much more substantially better than what playstation could offer will that be a case we're not sure because we haven't seen any of the specs for the playstation 5 and it's kind of good for playstation because xbox is showing all their cards or virtually all their cards and putting it out there on the table so playstation could go ahead and say hey we're going to top that we're going to top that we're going to top that or we're going to match that we're going to match that something like that But I still have a worry over the price because, as you and I both know, initially, price tag is very, very present in our minds. And Xbox, even with all those great stats and all those great specs and all that, it could have a hard time selling if it's not at a good price point. So I ask you, my friend, with all that you see as far as the specs so far that have been displayed already when it comes to the Xbox Series X, do you think that Xbox will make the mistake, as we've seen before in previous console generations, of pricing a console too high and suffering in sales from it? No, I don't think so, because Microsoft has always kind of come out at a very strong price point. I mean, Xbox, the Xbox One, right, was 400 when it came out, and that was that was about the price that Sony came out of the gates with the the PlayStation Four, if if not a little bit higher. I don't. There were differences, right, in the the memory on each one. But uh, Xbox One, I think they came out of the gate the right way because you know it was it was what a year later, even less, when they came out and said, "Hey, we have a uh, a newer console coming out, and you can buy it for a lot cheaper." So that was. Uh, you know, even if they come out the gate expensive, they will monitor the the marketing trends and they they will compensate for that high price when the right time comes. You know, I'm singing their praises right now, and I could be wrong, but that's something I I've never seen Sony do. Right? Sony only only start coming out with these comparable consoles after Microsoft started doing it. So it's it is a uh, you know, it's weird because they usually try to learn from each other, try to make moves based on what the others are doing. But Sony's not making any moves. So I can see Microsoft kind of going into unexplored territory here. Well, we'll wait and see what PlayStation does. We're just not sure when they're going to announce any of the specs for the PlayStation 5 that's still up in the air, especially with what's going on with the coronavirus, you know, possibly preventing them and other companies from showing up at different venues to go ahead and announce their wares. So there still remains a big question on the future of what's going on between PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X and which one will be more appealing right off the bat when both systems come out later this year. What are your thoughts about the announcement of the latest specs coming up for the Xbox Series X, which is due out later this year? Were you really impressed by them 
or do you need to see more from the Xbox Series X and Microsoft before you go ahead and invest possibly three, four, five hundred dollars on a new console? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, it's been a great conversation, my friend. I've just enjoyed having you with you. A lot of serious topics mixed in with a lot of great pop culture stuff as well. I'm hoping for continued health and happiness out there in the long term for all of our listeners and everyone out there. But before we head on out, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and hit this up with you. The Pokemon community had a vote on the most popular Pokemon. And I got to tell you, I was kind of surprised that Greninja is the most popular Pokemon right now out there in the Pokemon community. Your thoughts on Greninja getting the top spot and other Pokemons like Lucario, Mimikyu, Charizard, Umbreo, they're the top five. But Pikachu, the most recognizable of them all, is barely even the top 20. And Eevee is just barely 20. This, So I ask you, my friend, what's going on with people's changes in taste and what they love about Pokemon? I don't know. I, I feel like the older generation of Pokemon fans have kind of fallen off the wagon, such as you and I, and a newer generation of Pokemon fans is there. And the ones that are from the older games that are recognizable are only because they still take up so much spotlight in the newer games, too. Like, for example, the Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu, like you could fly your Charizard around, right? Like you still got those Pokemon and they were still fun to play with and you needed to use them to get to certain parts of the map. Like they still take up centerfold in the newer Pokemon games. And I think that's what keeps them alive, especially like Gengar, right? Gengar is always in the cartoons. He's in the movies. He's, they got a bunch of plush toys of Gengar everywhere you go. And it's, it's, they've done a good job of marketing. They market the Pokemon that they want to be front and center right the and you know they they have a certain set so we're not going to see like a diglet or something you know making that top list we're just going to see the ones that pokemon decides to focus on in the new games well it is interesting to see the results of this voting with like i said pikachu hitting 19 and eevee hitting 20 which is kind of funny that because you, you just finished selling or naming two of your latest Nintendo video games off of these two characters. So going forward, does Nintendo need to go ahead and realign its thinking and reshape it to some of the more popular characters within the Pokemon universe and put more of the focus on them and away from older traditional Pokemon like Pikachu and Eevee and all that? Uh, that's a good question. I don't think they ever will, though, because Pikachu and Eevee have always been like the faces of Pokemon, like the marketing face. You know, they're the the cute Pokemon. You Every kid remembers that scene in Pokemon's first movie when Ash gets turned or is it when, uh you know, between Pikachu and Ash and Mewtwo, right? And the the tears and the way, the way you feel for them like it's they won't move outside something like that. This is kind of like Disney marketing Star Wars, right? They want to cling to the generation that they know will buy this for their kids. You know, it's like, oh, hey, back when I was a kid, Pikachu was was awesome. And now I'm going to buy you a Pikachu and I'm going to buy you Pokemon. And we're going to talk about Pikachu and we're going to relate to each other. A Greninja. I don't even know what that is. So I'm just going to let you uh, go ahead and give this Moonstone to Eevee. You know, there you go. Or how about a Peter Sono? That's a brand new Pokemon that's out there. How do you like that one? 
or Josh Arino. Yeah, well, there's a lot. <laughs> right. Right. There's a lot out there. I don't even know who they are. Like, I came across a bunch in Pokemon Sword, and I, I couldn't even tell you what their names are anymore. I'm just like, yeah, guy with shell, guy with boxing gloves on. Cool. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough, indeed. What are your thoughts out there on the Pokemon voting? Were you a part of it? Did you like the results? And what about the trade-off between the more familiar Pokemon that finished lower on the balloting and some of the newer Pokemon that finished higher up on the list? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Another great episode, my friend. Appreciate your conversation as always. We've got another great one lined up coming up on Monday with the Pop Culture Cosmos. So we're going to stay in tune with what's going on with pop culture. And here's hoping you will as well. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Howdy. This year, the Earth Station One podcast will experience its favorite geek out moment with episode number 500. That's over nine years of nerdy pop culture reviews, interviews, and con reports. Join the celebration with Mike and Mike each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite media player. We can also be found all over social media or at esonetwork.com. Peace. Peace. And we're done. We're done. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.